In 1858, outside Boston, a bat and ball game was created, which came to be known as the Massachusetts game or town ball. It's not the New York game most people know, with a diamond field and three bases. Rather, in this game, there was only one out per inning. The infield was a square, and there wasn't even a foul territory. There were plenty of reasons why the New York game won out over the Massachusetts game as our national pastime. Most notably, the geometry of the New York game made it both aesthetically pleasing and playable. But the geometry of the Massachusetts game was awkward and off kilter. Many who have played both styles, however, recognize that there are some aspects of the 1858 game that make it preferable to the New York version. What if there was a game that had the geometric appeal and playability of the New York version and the unorthodox aspects of the popular Massachusetts game? 21st Century Town Ball is an attempt to be just that. With a couple tweaks added in 2012, like a physical strike zone, five total bases, stealing first base, and the ball always being live, the goal of 21st Century Town Ball has been, and always will be, to forestall the growing exodus from bat and ball. Let's bring people back to the game. Let me tell you, that's the last time I forget to change the oil on my lily pad. Oh, 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 are we going? Are we going back on? Sorry. Nope, you got it. Go for it. <laughs> hey, no worries, Kermit. Everything's good. It's your host, Grant Moore, and welcome to the 21st Century Town Ball podcast. For our second foray into the Newburgh years, we are putting the spotlight on Veritas School alum Lucian Himes. Lucian attended Veritas during a portion of his high school years, and it was in his senior year that Jones arrived as a new teacher. Just like Tristan, Lucian was one of many early adopters of town ball at Veritas, and he got to see both indoor and outdoor town ball, as well as the formation of the various school teams that began playing each other, such as the Boston Bean Eaters, the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers, and Lucian's own team, the New York Giants. All hail the New York Giants! <laughs> Lucian is a longtime baseball player and takes the game very seriously. Given his more in-depth experience with baseball, he's our first guest on the podcast to speak more from a baseball lens when evaluating Town Ball's current and future trajectory. And he even admits himself that comparing Town Ball and baseball is kind of like comparing apples and oranges. Lucian is a maximizer who is very interested in what makes a team perform at a high level, so his perspective is very much coming from those expectations. Topically speaking, this episode is a good one to pair with Jimmy Sanborn's episode that came out earlier in this series, because both episodes deal with Town Ball's feasibility at increasing the competitive levels. And this is an ongoing conversation within Town Ball, and it's one that I think will be at the forefront of the game for a long time. Let's hear what Lucian has to say about town ball. Well, happy very early morning to you, Lucian. How's it going? Thank you. It's good. Um, it's early, but I've, I've got a nice view out the window over here, so it's not too bad. Well, and now we're getting into the 
lighter hours of the year so the sun's coming up a little earlier out there it's uh, about 6 a.m pacific time where you are but uh i've already had breakfast where i'm at <laughs> wonderful yeah i'm gonna try to head to bed back to bed after this I think. <laughs> well yeah because you don't have any homework anymore because you graduated from college this last week it's true i did and so homework is a thing of the past sleeping Ooh. in is the thing of the future it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. <laughs> I I remember this feeling. <laughs> it's wonderful. So uh, where are you at right now? Oh, right now I'm in Santa Barbara. Then on Sunday, I'll be heading back up to Portland. and I'll be around there for the summer. And then I'll actually be in Papua New Guinea for next year, doing some research out there for 10 months. Very cool. I was going to ask, what, if you're, what are you... So that's what your plans are after yeah. graduating. Yeah, so I got a, I got a Fulbright scholarship. Nice. And so I will be heading over there um, with Fulbright and doing some work on coral reefs and coral reef mapping. Very cool. Because you yeah. were a biology student at Pepperdine? Yep. Okay. That seems like the best place to do biology because the water is literally right down the hill. It's yeah, it's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be super nice warm water too. Not mm. the, the water that I have been diving in, nice and clear. It's gonna be a great experience. <laughs> yeah, well, at least down in Malibu, you're not dealing with coastal water, you're dealing with beach water. Yes, it's true. This is true. Yes. Although we've had we've had some cold water this year. It gets it gets chilly. And when you're diving it it gets yeah there too well and that's definitely true. better than oregon water this last winter southern california really got it i mean yeah. the the mountains i was in southern california in january for a week and the mountains actually had snow on them i'd never seen that and yeah. i go i went down there almost every year for every year of my childhood to see extended family never saw that yeah it's it's crazy how much rain we got and it actually meant that for much of the spring, I haven't been able to do any diving because there's just been so much dirt in the water from all of the rain pulling stuff in from the hillsides. So mm. beautiful green hillsides now, but very dirty water. Yeah, those uh, it's it's not hills of dead grass anymore. Like, and even in uh -huh. January, I saw that it was, it was that was the greenest I had ever seen yeah, the valley. Crazy. Yeah, that was insane. So before you were in college, of course, you were a student at Veritas School in Newburgh, Oregon, just like Tristan and Chuck and many others. How long were you at Veritas before Town Ball slash the Jones came to Veritas? Uh, so I was at Veritas for high school after being homeschooled before. And I think I came, let's see, if I graduated in 2019, that year started in 2018, 17, 16. 15. So I came in 2015. I think Mr. Jones came in 2018. So I was there for three years and he came my senior year. Oh, wow. Right at the end. Yeah. Just long enough. Barely. <laughs> yeah, really. It was a, it was a brief, but very uh, impactful experience that I had with Tom. So uh, did you come to it having had no prior like sports experience or or how did that work out? So I had done two years of cross country, my freshman and sophomore year high school. But my real sport was baseball, which I'd played for as long as I could remember. I didn't do cross country my 
junior year because I was spending extra time like training for baseball in the fall. Um, and so that was my sport. Uh, it was I was a baseball kid through and through. Still love it. Watch it. Keep up with pro. All that. And so that was that was always my sport. Do you remember what your thoughts were in your initial exposure to your first town ball game? I can't remember. Did we get a? We must have had a couple outdoor games in the fall before we started our indoor season. I remember thinking it was chaos, and I also I love capture the flag stuff like that like a little kid playing tag stuff like that i love elements of chaos and baseball is very much not a chaotic game like it's it's straightforward you know what you're doing which i appreciate too but introducing the chaos it was like oh here's a whole another aspect of the game that you can take advantage of and play into or play out of and and control and try to just use to get an advantage and so i thought it as kind of a way to expand the game and something that was obviously very foreign, but a lot of fun to, to try. Did you ever have any tricks played on you as a, as a new player where Jones would maybe do something like, you know, you're in the box, he's pitching, he's like, oh, hey, could you move that thing over there? And then he zones you or something? I don't think I had any happen, but I think I learned from it happening to other people pretty quickly. Because I'm pretty sure he pulled out a couple of those real quick. I definitely, I definitely learned from him quickly. Like, okay, there's no holds barred. Like, go for everything. You're doing anything you can to try to get an advantage here. Yep. Learned from him very quickly. You lucky dog. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to learn the hard way. <laughs> oh, I gotta watch. So you were only there involved with Town Ball for one year, and I from talking with Chuck and Tristan, it didn't really even pick up that year until like the spring semester where you actually had an elective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the spring we had our, our little indoor season, which was a lot of fun. Um, And we just played in like, I don't even know what to call it. Like kind of like a gym, but it had carpeted floors. It's um, really small. Basketball hoops. It it was like just a, a box. It's yeah. probably have you been like, in there? Oh yeah. No, I it's probably like a sixty foot by twenty foot room, if that yeah. Yeah. It, it might be a little larger. I'm referencing my experience with the base pads to, to gauge yeah. how wide the room is, but yeah. Mr. Jones would definitely have like dimensions drawn out somewhere. But yeah, it was that spring when we really got going because Oregon, rainy. Our field that we had played in the fall became a marsh. There's no way we were using that. So we had to go indoor. And we made the most of it. And it was a lot of fun. It, it was a very different game indoor. We played with a different ball, different base dimensions, obviously. The different rules. We had a strike zone instead of like, you had to do three strikes and you were out. Um, pulling a little from baseball instead of one zone to get out because it was just too easy because our, our mound was much closer as well. There's um, only tape on the wall. The only tape on the wall. Yeah. It was a very, very interesting experience playing off the walls. It was a lot of fun. Chuck was talking about how you and him were on a, on a team. And I think was that were the teams by the house systems or did you guys arrange in a different way? Because I know there were like the Boston Bean Eaters, the Trolley Dodgers. Which one were you on? I was the New York Giants. I think the Trolley Dodgers is a new team. 
let us switch my giants, which I hate to hear if it's the case. But we, so Chuck was in the house, um, and actually so is Mr. Jones, which is part of how I got to know Mr. Jones pretty quickly because as a senior, I was leading a bunch of the things that the house was doing, and he was kind of overseeing um, everything that was happening. So I, I got to know him really quickly. But then we did a draft system, and we had like everybody's names who wanted to play. Picked a, picked a pretty good team my first year. I think it was maybe slightly contentious. There was one game that we didn't finish, but we were leading when we didn't finish that game, and so we counted it as a win for my team, which meant I think we had the best record on the season. How, how did your relationship with the game change over time? I mean, I think, I don't know how much for me it really has changed over time just because I was involved in it for such a short period. I haven't seen the game change that much like in my personal play. I haven't seen like styles of play change that much. I really had that one year and really that one month period where we were playing a lot. That's my experience with the game. So, I mean, I've enjoyed it all the way through, but I haven't been a part of, like, after I left was when the stuff started happening at, up at George Fox. So I didn't really get to be a part of that, see what was happening there. You oh. did get to go to the tournament last summer. I did get to go to the tournament. That was um, insane. Which was fun. Yes, I did get to go to the tournament, which was a lot of fun. Were you there for like the a- Coyotes game? Madeira Coyotes? That was the one, it was at night, it was like midweek, and it went for like four hours. No, I was not. The games that I was there for we kind of cruised through. Yeah, I was not there. Did we win the Coyotes game? Yeah, it was a nail-biter. Uh, it went Because it went so long, it was a very evenly matched game. The way it ended was we were up 8-4. We were just waiting and waiting and waiting to get a fifth run at, uh, uh, in advance of the other team. Finally, so we had we had Samuel Berkebile, Reese's Puffs. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs. Beat him up, beat him up, beat him up, beat him up. We had him on fourth base. Uh-huh. And Jones came up, came up to bat, and then he hit a long one way off into the right, and it was a walk off hit. Samuel got to home, and we won. Uh, but that uh-huh. took it, we, to get to that point. It was you know a pitching duel between both teams, a lot of base running, but no one you know not, not enough, scoring. not a lot of scoring, which meant that the defense was really good on both sides. So. Uh-huh. That was a good one, but no, that's right. You were only there for kind of like the beginning of, of the week because then you had other things going on, Yeah, but that was still very fun. You have a official Quakers Jersey. You you're, you're there for all, all the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was glad to be able to be a part of whatever I could, even if it was limited. I, uh, I was talking with Chuck recently about stats for, for those games and I don't know if Chuck has shared with you kind of how stats are done in town ball. There's like three main running stats and three main pitching stats. And one of the pitching stats is runs per out. So it's how many runs a pitcher allowed in while they were pitching. And then we have another one, which is called out efficiency, which measures how many base advancements happened before a pitcher made an out. So it's like a measure of how well they were able to stop people from getting on base. I think you had the best numbers for both of those stats for our team for that season. Love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I remember that even even the few games you played, you were zoning people out left and right uh, all the time. <laughs> Every time it happened, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for being on my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the I pitched when I played in high school. Actually, I pitched all the way through, but I feel like me playing baseball in high school was the most influential. And so I pitched then and kind of funny. I was not a, I was not a fast pitcher. I was a, an off speed guy, great with location, but it translated well over, got some good off speed that I can throw. And I started to figure out a little bit of a curve with the town ball. It definitely shocks some people, especially when you get people who haven't played baseball organized before. When you show up with a curveball that's coming at their face and then drops in, it's, it's a little spooky. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I played baseball for a couple of years when I was a kid and we'd have pitchers come up and actually would do, you know, those more textbook baseball pitches, you know, screwball, curveball. But after playing town ball for a little bit, they're trying to hit the strike zone. You know, they're not trying to walk you or get you to swing at nothing because there's nothing there if it's outside of the zone. So if it's coming, you should just assume it's going to come back into the zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, so. it's nice to to not have to get three strikes. You're like, I, I don't need to put three pitches together to get you to miss one of them. I I just need to get one pitch through. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. Yeah, how does uh, it feel to be a pitcher in town ball and you can compare it to baseball? Um, it's I almost want to say like it's much more satisfying because. Like there's been times I come out, I get through one pitch and then we're back up to bat because you just zone them right away. Whereas baseball, like it's very much a process. And again, like I love that process. I love the process of working through each batter and like that battle that happens between. But I think that just that ability to like turn it around so quickly is kind of crazy. It, it can almost prevent you from getting into a rhythm sometimes. But other times it prevents, like it keeps your momentum going. If you're hitting well and you happen to pop out, it's fun. And it's also nice being able to take advantage of the chaos. Quick pitching people, hitting them with something they don't expect, pitching from not directly in front. So you get, get a little bit more of an angle. Again, it's just that chaos. That's a lot of fun. Something I've been trying recently as a batter to really get in the pitcher's head is after at least one pitch has been thrown, while it's getting returned by the catcher, I'll step out of the box entirely. So that way I'm just waiting for the pitch to come right down the middle because they're going to just try and zone me. But then while they're winding up and they're going to try and zone me out, I will run back into the box and then like chop it with the bat. Uh, I'd, I'd eat that up. I'd be hitting you with a slider coming in there. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, here comes easy pitch. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't want the I want the pitcher to not know what like my swinging tendency is either. I don't want them to know that I like go low or I go high or you know, I have any kinds of patterns whatsoever. So they they're basically pitching to nobody right up until I I get in the box and just whack it. So good strat, especially early in the game, new pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially someone who doesn't have as much experience, but it, it only works about half the time because I do sacrifice preparation, gut instinct, accuracy. I'm not already keeping my eye right on the ball, staying in the box, but it's just, it's, it's fun because 
Tomball is a game that lends itself to being a game where you want to go and try and do that that crazy trick. It, yeah. It's a game that lends itself to what if I did this someday. When it comes to Town Ball as a like the culture of it and, and the community aspect, you know, you've seen that at Veritas, you've seen that in the tournament we had last summer, and maybe some other games I don't know about, but I mean, it, there's there's a wide variety of a talent spectrum that can play the game well because of how it's designed. And so it allows for more people to play who might not be able to otherwise. And it's very good at facilitating some of that community aspect. How, how have you observed that in your, in your short exposure to the game? I mean, I think through the tournament, I mean, there was nobody else who was playing, who was playing. I think Tristan played some baseball, but I don't, I don't think he stuck with it. And so it was like, I would, play town ball during the day and then i would have my baseball practices that evening or games or whatever so i was very much very much ingrained in baseball at the same time and then you had kids who had never played baseball never picked up a baseball and were still able to find success in town ball when if you had brought them out onto a baseball field they would have been lost and so i think that because there's so there's so much less structure i think it allows you can kind of like find a niche that you can like you can get really good at base running and just bunt to get on and then push the tempo with those bases you can like just be looking for swinger looking to push guys over there's there's just so many different things you can do you can look to be a pitcher you can i mean even playing different spots in the infield can have a lot of importance swapping out pitchers stuff like that there's a lot of just different ways that you can be good and you can find success. And so I think that enables anybody who really wants to and has an interest in being better, being successful, to find a way to do that, no matter their background. To play a little bit on the devil's advocate side, you know, someone like you with a very one of the more extensive baseball backgrounds than other people we've had on the podcast, are there aspects of town ball that actually kind of grind your gears? Or that you actually prefer some aspects of baseball to what's in town ball? I mean, personally, throwing the ball, throwing a baseball, so much more satisfying than throwing a town ball. But I think that it has to be that way. I mean, I don't know if so. it comes from what the Boston game and the New York game of baseball originally. I don't think you can compare them. I think it was valuable for me having baseball experience, but there's... I would say too much different between them to really compare them. And also, and I've talked with Mr. Jones, and maybe this is not a hot take for the podcast. Conball would not be able to survive at a professional level, which I think is a really important, like obviously MLB, a massive part of baseball. It's a, a billion dollar industry. And there are athletes competing at the highest level. And that would not be able to happen with Townball, at least in its current format. The biggest part of that is the distance for pitching. It's what, I think, 47 feet? 52. 52? Yeah. MLB pitching is 60. And when you have guys throwing 105 miles an hour, you need all 60 of those feet. And and also, seeing as you can get a, a wind-up starting pitching, you're going to have guys throwing harder than that. Neil Cruz threw something the other day, like, even faster. And so there's just going to be, that's the biggest thing you're going to see. Also, people getting hit by much, like having peg outs would not work with 
professional people throwing the ball extremely hard, the amount of injuries that you're going to have, the reason why on ball works from the batting side is because there's no incredible town ball pitchers. And that's why you can have it so one strike can equal one out and you only need one out to get out of an inning. In baseball, like your success rate of hitting is a third. If you hit a third of the time, you're a, you're a Hall of Famer. Average is probably a quarter and 250. If you see town ball continue to develop and you see pitching really continue to develop, I think you're going to uh, end up with a lot more of those long games that you're talking about, like Coyote game where it lasted four hours. That's a pitching duel because you only need one strike. And so in my mind, this is a, a great game. It's a super fun game. But in its current iteration, it's not going to be a professional game because there's just there's too many things that are are not going to be able to like, hitters won't be able to survive. Pitching is going to become too dominant. And I think by one strike, you meant one out. Yeah, yeah. like one zone. Yeah, a yeah. zone leads to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, I really don't think of them as the same thing. Like uh, I go out, I play with my baseball mitt. I'm playing a very different game for baseball. And I think that allows me to enjoy town ball more um, because I, I go, I'll play catch, I'll play baseball, I'll watch baseball. And I enjoy that. And then I can come out and play this different game that I really do enjoy. And it doesn't have to take anything away from my enjoyment of baseball. Right. Absolutely. And that's actually really good to hear. I mean, it's been very interesting to get feedback on this particular question on how does, is, would town ball develop in the future? I personally tend to err on your side of the opinion because not just because of that fact, although I actually hadn't thought of that until recently with the hyper athleticism and professional aspect of it. Um, Because I really do like, I like town ball as an amateur game more anyways, for the very reason that it allows more types of people to play and allows people to have more fun, which I think is more important. But there's just a practicality level, too, of like the reason baseball grows is because there's a it's a business, there's a market, there's an audience. We don't have a foul territory. So where the heck are people going to stand? <laughs> um, we've, we've, we've thought about like there's a conceptual aspect of the game that's different than what practically can happen in a field. Conceptually speaking, if you played in a desert with town ball, there is no out of bounds. The ball is fair wherever it gets hit and how long it goes is determined by how far it was hit. And as long as you can infield it back in in time, that's up to the defense. You can only ever hit a ball so far because we're not like superheroes. You know, we're not having Iron Man and Captain America playing town ball. Ooh, now there's an idea. If Team Iron Man and Team Captain America played town ball together, who do you think would win? If you go back to the podcast page, there should be a poll that you can vote on. Let us know. Which team do you think would win? So at some point, and Jimmy made this point, Jimmy Sanborn, he was like, at some point you probably could make an actual fenced field because a ball can only be hit so far by any human. But it's mm-hmm. so hard It's so hard to decide what the standardized limit of that should be. But the very fact that how far a ball can be hit is not a static number across everybody. So deciding how that happens is interesting. And I mean, I've only ever played town ball with small groups. 
So we've always been able to kind of stand around the field and dodge things when we need to. <laughs> Other people, they've, they've, they've kind of made the same point you have where it's like town ball, part of what it offers would literally be compromised if it went professionalized. Now, I could see a world where both are true at the same time. You know, if people want to get real serious about it, then they can join, you know, whatever group or league that's competing at a high level. And then everybody else still has their own like town teams where they, you know, they get together with their neighbors on the weekend and play. I could see a world where both are, are going on, but it's, I don't think I, I ever see a world where it's only the hyper athletic version of it and that to, to the exclusion of the good natured sandlot community vibe. Yeah, and I think that community vibe is very important because it is like, I know, I feel like you can't have as much ill will playing handball. Also, like, dangerous. But, like, having it where you know it, where it's a community, even if teams are constant or whatever, I think that gives a lot of opportunity just to know the game well and, and to enjoy it. And you see that in baseball to a degree. Like, there's, there's old man leagues, go out and play some softball. I'll probably join one of those. But in my mind, I don't see Townball being able to progress beyond that to a professional status because of the pitching stuff that I talked about. But also, like, yeah, a field matters. If you want to have people watch, they've got to stand somewhere. And putting them at, out at the farthest distance they can, like the, the distance where they will never actually be involved, is tough. It's interesting, but I think I think the community-based way that it is now is the ideal. So in that sense, then, would you say town ball is more of a spectator sport or a sport that you just play? I think it has to be a sport that you just play. I also think if you're not playing, but I feel like there's so much going on that it would be very hard the spectator sport to stay like locked in all the time because things can happen at any moment like anywhere on the field there's no like reset period that you have unless you're looking at like between innings real quick but, there's there's no seventh inning stretch <laughs> yeah there's no there's no okay like the pitcher has the ball and now we get to relax like oh the pitcher could throw at any moment there's no okay the guy got on base like now it's time to wait for the next guy to go have the bat like he can go anywhere which I think is part of the beauty of playing, but combined with that lack of place for a spectator, I think it makes it would make it very hard to just watch. For sure. Practically speaking, playing is just, it's more fun. You're involved. And if it's hard to be able to observe it, then you might as well just hop in and get in the batter's box. Another reason why it should be more of a sport that you play is that a friend of mine, he's a professor here at the local college in town that my brother goes to and he's a big um, Yankees fan big baseball history guy he's a history professor of like just general history but he really likes baseball history and he was telling me about how one of the reasons that over time American modern baseball kind of lost some of its spark or innocence or community feel that amateur aspect as it became something bigger than that was it became a commodity you know it was it was now going to be commercialized to some extent and the new york game kind of organized the you know the new yorkers organized themselves they called themselves the national 
baseball association when the game was not even national yet. They were like, ha we're thinking ahead. That aspect had to happen if the sport was going to grow to a, a high performing level, of course. But one of the reasons why town ball doesn't have to do that is because everyone has like a cursory understanding of baseball already. When baseball was around, there wasn't a pre version everyone like could relate to. So in that sense, town ball does have baseball to think. And that could be perhaps what allows town ball to stay accessible decades down the road. You know, we, we have no idea what will happen to baseball. And I mean, obviously they're trying to do some CPR on it with the pitching clock and other things. <laughs> what are, what are your thoughts on the new rules, man? I think CPR is a little, a little discredits. Yeah. Um, I, I was exaggerating there a little bit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I used to be very anti-pitch clock. And I still think in an ideal world, you don't need it. But games are going to change. And I think you see that through all sports that as time progresses, things change. Like, basketball didn't always used to have a three-point line. And then for a while, three-point line was barely used. And then Steph Curry came along and said... I'm going to shoot everything that's that side of half court. Changes the entire game. Yeah. And yeah, you can say that's a bad thing because it's different from the way that it was, but I think it's just a new way to play. And I think, I think what I've actually been really excited about with the pitch clock is seeing players not just be like, Oh, this sucks. This does this thing, but use it. And so you're seeing, because there's you can only pick off twice in a row, you're seeing base runners take advantage of it. And then you're seeing pitchers take advantage of base runners, knowing that they're going to try to take advantage of it and using that for extra pickoffs. And you're seeing catchers try to throw people out more. Like we've seen way more stolen base attempts this year. So at first I was like, no, this isn't good. This is just a pure game. But, you know, I'm fine with it. Like, as long as, in my mind, the big things aren't changing, the things that make baseball baseball aren't changing, some of these small things to to switch it up, to allow some different play styles, I think they're good because they're going to allow the game to grow. And and that's what I'm down for. Like, I want to see town ball grow. I also want to see baseball grow. I want to see more people be able to appreciate baseball for what it is and enjoy it. And so if this allows more people to enjoy it while not losing the spirit of the game and what the game is, then, then I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's important to clarify that town ball has no beef with what people are getting out of baseball. You know, we're, we're trying to promote the same aspects of having a good time. The spirit of the game is sometimes goes over the letter of the game, especially more so in town ball because we've written in that looseness because for the a quick little kind of commentary on the vintage baseball community especially out here in the midwest you know all these teams that are playing like these late 19th century rule sets of the new york game or like adjacent where they're they're on a diamond right that there's no massachusetts going on their whole thing is trying to return to this kind of mirth that that was present in in the game when it first started. And so are we, although by slightly different means. And I mean, we technically land on the Venn diagram of 
vintage baseball because of our rule set, but you wouldn't be able to tell that at all by watching us play. You wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to tell that at all. It's a totally original field design and our particular collection of rules is a new thing. So it's old and it's new all at the same time. It's an experiment on what the Massachusetts game would have been if it kept going. And if the things have changed over time, which means that in order for games to stay relevant in people's minds, sometimes they get course corrected over time, just like your point about baseball. So as, as a, as a cultural part of growing up in, you know, the United States. So stepping away from baseball as a game for a second and baseball is more of a aspect of American culture. How do you think that's going on, on that front with, with baseball? Like, how is it being influential in the culture and not losing its America's national pastime status? Yeah, like, is it being seen as more of a relic at this point or not? I mean, I I would say there's some people that think that. You're always going to have your people that say, oh, it's three hours of going to watch nothing happen. Or, like, one thing happens the entire time. But I, I don't think if it was actually a relic, you'd see what a judge just get. 11 years, 40 million. Did he get 450? I think my Giants wanted to give him 450 and he didn't take that. You wouldn't see Otani's contract, whatever he's going to get next year, is going to be insane. Maybe the biggest in history. I mean, it should be. Like, he has been, you almost can't even call him like a generational talent because he's like the first thing that we've seen like this since Babe Ruth. He's insane. I love how he won the World Classic by striking out his own teammate. And Mike Trout, I sent this stat, or or Tommy showed this to me. I got to find it. There was was something about Otani's percentage on on strikes and how Otani basically, I'll find it in a second. It's it's insane. So, you know, you're, I mean, yeah, it depends on your perspective, I guess. Yeah, I think you can, I think, I mean, there's people that hate the other major sports too. You're always going to find them, but the fact of the matter is it's massive. It makes a ton of money, generates a ton of revenue. And that means that it's having a a very large cultural significance. And I think that these changes are good ways to continue that. And again, allow it to be more approachable for some people who might not be as diehard into the game. So I think baseball is in a pretty good state right now. I found the stat. It's like a Twitter snapshot. If you aren't impressed, you should be. Mike Trout has had three swinging strikes in only 24 of his 6,174 career MLB plate appearances. And Otani struck him out. Otani's insane. Yeah. He is truly on another level. Like one thing, he would be very good. He'd be top tier. But to have both of them, insane. And the Angels are still terrible. Honestly, it's like you have the two greatest players in the game right now. On the same team, and they're not. You're still so bad. I keep seeing stats that pop up. It's like Mike Trout went three for five with two home runs and four RBIs. And Otani went two for four with two doubles and two RBIs. And the Angels lost because nobody else on the team did anything because they can't surround them with any talent, which Hmm. actually... I think that's one thing that's really cool about baseball in contrast to town ball and town ball. You need this too, but town ball, you can deadlift a lot more. You can have one player say, I'm going to go do everything and win us the game. 
I'm going to go pitch and zone everybody. And I'm going to go hit and hit the ball far and just run, carry a team. And you can't have that happen in baseball. Every other sport, I think you can do that to a degree. Like, I mean, you see that happen in football sometimes. Like, someday QBs are just slinging it and it's gone. Or on the defensive end, one defensive player just keeps getting strip sack after strip sack after sack after shutting the run down. Like, you can see one player just turn it on. And basketball, I mean, but I'm a Warriors fan from San Francisco, so it's acceptable. Yes, it is. Um, You're one of the rare, Curry, the rare ones. Uh-huh. Steph Curry, 50 points. He decides he's not losing that game. Um, or AD in the first game of the series against the Lakers, 30 points, 23 rebounds. Like, you can sometimes players in those games just decide that they're not losing. That doesn't happen in baseball. Like, you can be a pitcher, go eight innings, one run, do your job literally as well as you can, and still lose the game sometimes. And, and that's, I think, one of the beautiful things about baseball and one of the reasons why it will continue because it's so team involved. I'd, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a game that has more need of a team than baseball. That's a good point. In town ball, things can change. In a single inning, and you can be down 10 runs. Yeah. Which, that's an insane run differential to bounce back. So, yeah. Any other uh, things to comment about town ball or anything before we finish? I don't think so. It's fun. If you haven't played before, if somebody's watching this and hasn't played before, you should go play. Try to get some this summer. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it in. Portland with Mr. Jones leaving. I'll have to talk with him about that. Well, thank you, Lucian. I will I'll let you get back to uh, get taking care of yourself in, in the morning <laughs> and laying down and getting some food. And <laughs> Sounds good. Congratulations on graduating. Thank you. Yeah. This was great. Glad to be able to, to partake and enjoy and discuss and, and hopefully we'll all be out playing some more town ball somewhere soon. Yes. Awesome. Good well, have, have a good day. Thanks. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to the 21st Century Town Ball Podcast. If you want to learn more about the sport, you can visit our website at 21ctownball.com or look at our content on Instagram under the page at 21ctownball. If you're interested in playing the game or creating your own Townball team, you can DM us on social media or email us directly at 21ctownball at gmail.com and we would be happy to start a conversation with you. I'm your host, Grant Moore, and this is the 21st Century Townball Podcast. Is there a ball in your town?